Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to A Court of Three Strands. Today we're talking about the schemes of the evil one. (laughs) (laughs) The schemes of the evil one. What do you know? How does that factor into this season, Mr. Young? Great question. Yeah. So last two uh, episodes, we talked about the family, that uh, God has this purpose for the family. He created it and is the primary instrument by which he is going to. bring blessing to the world, right? We have this cursed world because of the fall. Um, and it was through Abraham and his family, um, teaching uh, them to obey his commands and follow his ways. This is passed down generationally um, through this paideia that, uh, uh, of, of being taught constantly <laughs> about God's ways and about his times, uh, establishing kind of this, this Christian culture or this godly culture, um, which is the kingdom of God, right? And so because family is primary and in the family, the thing that is most primary in that family is the uh, marriage between the husband and the wife. Um, I thought it would be good for us. We, and we talked last week about the purposes of marriage, right? To right. have help in the task of dominion. It was to um, share in the fruit of that dominion, you know, enjoy it. And um and then also to procreate, to have, have uh, lots and lots of children, lots of children. By the way, <laughs> you guys should have more kids. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, th- that um, w- it would be a good time to just pause briefly sure, and, and take time to look at how is it that Satan wants to affect the family, specifically the marriage relationship, since it is the the the, the key thing, mm. and so we're going to look at it in two episodes. Um, first, we're going to look at Genesis chapter three and see the original fall, because how Satan approaches Adam and Eve in this um, gives us a great picture of how he uh, tempts us. Right there's yeah. a there's these direct assaults, you might say, his schemes, his, his, uh, his deceptions. And, and it would be good for us to see that and the effects of what happens when we fall into those temptations. In the next episode, part two of the schemes of the evil one, um, I, I want to show how uh, one of the things that Satan does is he develops um, culture counter to God's word and within that culture, it's we have these. Uh, it it has our effects. It draws our affections um, towards things that are not 
uh, biblical. And, and within that culture making, we can see in the United States right now, all these things that are putting pressure upon families and particularly marriages, um, causing them to become unfruitful, like literally unfruitful. And also um, the, the ultimate end of, of what the families ought to be is not coming to fruition. So, so two parts, the kind of more of the individual frontal assault of Satan mm. and then the cultural assault uh, are the, are the two things. So let, let me start with just this. I, I say the schemes of the evil one. Um, an, another way to say it is the, the methods. Um, we're, we're mostly familiar with Ephesians chapter six, where Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God, you know, growing strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, now this, this Greek word uh, that we translate schemes or, or wiles or craftiness is uh, methodia. Hmm. And, and we also get the word English word methods. Right. So what are the methods of the evil one? Uh, in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul, uh, verse 11, uh, talks about not being um, outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his methods, right? His mm-hmm. schemes. So we need to, as the church, we need to be uh, aware of Satan's methods and 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 why, uh, you know, why he does these things. So, Mister Young, take us to the Garden of Eden. Yes. Take us back there to that fateful day <laughs> when, that when, fateful. when, after all, we were first introduced as uh, as a as humankind to the schemes of the evil one. Yeah. Right. So, so f- first of all. We, we understand that God made the world and uh, he did all the, the separating and designing. And, and then there's this plane that he calls Eden. And he puts this garden, God does, in, the, in, this, in Eden. Then outside of Eden, kind of interesting, he makes Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathes life into him, and then places him in the garden. It's kind of weird, but Adam wasn't built in the garden. He was, he was made outside of the garden and then placed in the garden. Right. It's, it's kind of odd and out of dust, which is also kind of weird. Um, but he's in the garden and he is commanded to, to, uh, to guard and keep it, right? To tend it, to, to make it flourish. And, um, and it wasn't good for him to be alone, so God had made... Uh, Eve, his wife, from his rib, and uh, and and everything is given to them for food, and it's just wonderful. Every green plant, every herb, uh, all the fruit, it's all theirs. Everything, except one thing: yeah. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, in the midst of the garden, in the middle of the garden, where the man and woman are to do their work of dominion, um, there are these trees. And we understand that these trees are worship. I think in season one, I, I touched on this. We're going to talk about this more next season in season four when I talk about the church. Yeah. Because um, we'll talk about worship there. But in, in essence, it's this. When Adam and Eve see the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they're reminded that God's word, his voice, his voice has said, no, 
don't eat of this or you will die. Mm. Okay. So they see the tree. They're reminded of that command and they are to um, believe, right? That word and, and trust it. This is faith. The response to that word is faith. I'm not going to, I'm going to believe him and not touch it. And so I don't die. But next to it is the tree of life in the middle, right next to the other tree. And they have permission to eat that. And the idea is, is that I, I see the, the tree of knowledge of good evil. I obey his word. I, I trust it. I have faith. I respond in faith by not eating it. And in gratitude for all that's given, I take and eat of the tree of life and commune with God forever. That's worship in the garden. That's how worship is today. We hear God's word. We say yes to it. We have put our faith in his word um, by the hearing of his word and the preaching of God's word. And then we take and eat of the bread and wine in communion, communing with him forever. Mm. The same thing. It's just different methods. And there's this little thing called sin that, you know, we need to take care of to get into that. But now there's no sin. Adam and you are there. And that's the garden right in the middle of the two trees. And then we find here ourselves here in Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Okay, so let's stop there for a second. It's weird. There's this dragon that has come into the garden, right? And serpent, I mean, a lot of times we think of snake. Um, this is different than just a mere snake. It is the, the rest of the Bible calls the serpent a dragon. Right. Um, he evidently is walking uh, in the curse. The, the, the serpent loses his ability to walk, the ability to walk and has to crawl on his belly and lick the right. dust. Um, this, th- there's a few possibilities that scholars have looked at as what this, this, this is that this is either the, the devil himself, Satan has, has come into the form of a dragon, which doesn't seem very likely because why are all the serpents cursed now and they can't walk, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it probably is, is that there is a, um, the, the kind of the head of all the animals who has the ability to communicate with the, um, the, the Lords, you know, the ones who have dominion, right. Um, Adam and Eve, um, a representative, you might say of the natural world. Um, and Satan has, um, been allowed to use this creature to, as a mouthpiece. Interesting. So, you know, so this is part of those questions. Well, well, this serpent comes and starts talking. Right. Right. And, um, you know, C.S. Lewis in his uh, in the Chronicles of Arnia, the series in the magician's nephew when when mm. right. So there's some of the beasts who can speak. Yeah. They're like the lords of the animals. Right. They can right. talk to the to the uh, sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve who are who have dominion, who are have the they're the kings and the queens. And they can. Yeah. They can t- I, I think C.S. Lewis got that idea from 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 this. Right. Uh, sure. Tolkien also with uh, Shadow Facts, who's the lord of the horses. Right. The. Right. You know, he's this representative of the horse world. So so this is this might be what, what it's talking about. Either way, Satan is present in this and and comes to the woman and and his scheme here is to get Eve to not trust God's word. Right. So here, here they are, the center of the, the garden. 
The, the trees are there. This is where they're to worship, to believe God and in faith, obey, right? Trust and obey, mm-hmm. not to eat of this. And the serpent comes. Did God really say that? Listen to Eve's response. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, I, I know that a lot of things are made of, of her adding this, you shouldn't touch it. And I, and I think I, I've heard a lot of sermons or, or other people say that this was a mistake and you're not supposed to add to the word of God, that kind of thing. Uh, a Jewish perspective, this is a little different. And that is, is that the, the, uh, Adam was the one given the command. Adam probably told her and she has now put, uh, added to it like a guard. You know, it's like when I'm telling my kids not to play in the street and my wife goes, you, you should, you should make the boundary like the grass before <laughs> you get to the sidewalk. Right. If they're playing a, you know, they're playing some rough and tumble game. Right. If they're playing all the way to the edge of that sidewalk onto the street, there's a good chance they're going to get into the street. And so my wife would say, well, let's make the boundaries in a little further. Right. Right. And, and the Jews did this. Right. So they they would make, OK, what you know, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. What, what does work mean? Well, how does that you know, if you're a tailor, you you, sh- you shouldn't. sew. well, in order for you not to sew, you can't carry your needle with you. Right. Does that make sense? Right. This, exactly. this boundary. And, and so this is probably kind of what's going on here. Eve is saying, um, not only should we not eat of it, that's God's command. Yeah. We've put a boundary that we're not even going to touch it lest we die. Okay. Right. So, so, uh, so I, I tend to look at it a little different. I don't think this is a big deal. I think this is kind of what we do. Like the, the Bible tells us not to get drunk and people go, we're not going to drink at all. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, I don't have premarital sex. I'm not going to be alone with a girl, at, you know. Right. At, they put a, up these boundaries. It's putting a boundary on it so you don't break the law. The, the, the boundary there is not the law, but it helps you. It's like putting a fence. Right. So Eve is saying this, and then the serpent responds. The serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, when I talk about this in class that I always ask, is the serpent right? Mm. And, the, and then there, then the argument pursue, you know, pursues, <laughs> well, yeah, cause they do die, but they didn't die right away. Right. There's right. this, it's kind of weird. Like when she eats it, she doesn't die, mm. but she will die. Mm. Right. So, right. So, so let's look at the schemes of the evil one. Number one, he's trying to get Eve to mistrust God's word. Right. In order for her to disobey, he's first going to try to get her to mistrust it. Second, when he he tempts, he uses half truths. Yeah. Right. Half truths. Half truths work a lot better than just full out lies. Right. right? Full out frontal lies. Uh, people tend to be able to defend. It's those half truths that are that are kind of difficult. Mm. So he's drawn her into this conversation about the possibility that God is not interested in preserving her life. It's really that he doesn't want you to be like him fully. Yeah. And it's, it's about moral autonomy. Mm. In other words, as long as you don't eat of that tree, 
you have to continue to trust God for what is good and evil. <laughs> if you eat of it, you can be like him and you can choose for yourself what is good or evil. Right. Right. Moral is moral autonomy. A law, you become a law to yourself. Um, choosing, you get to be your own little God. One, one, so not to get us off topic, Mr. Young, but I have to ask one little interesting rabbit hole. So, you know, this dragon like figure that appeared to even the garden, you know, whether that was, you know, Satan in this physical form or whether that creature was acting as his mouthpiece, it was a physical manifestation of Satan. Yes. Now, can we assume that because that clearly happened in the scripture, it yes. still happens? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a weird question. It, um, it is weird. Uh, does Satan himself show up at times? Physically manifest. We, right? we do know that um, he is physically manifested as angels of light. That's one of the things that Paul warned us about. Like, for instance, and this is where I'm going to get death threats now. <laughs> like, for instance... <laughs> Uh, when Muhammad was in a cave and was approached by an angel of light and says, you know, talks about this, the, the Quran, Quran, when he came back, he tells his wife that it, this might have been a, 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 a jinn, right? Which is their word for demon. Right. And his wife is like, no, 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 it's an angel. Like, so, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. uh, guess what the Christian church has always believed? Right. Wife was right. You know, right. <laughs> that yeah. was a jit or no, no, uh, 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 Muhammad was originally right. Yeah. That yeah. was a de- demon. Even if, even if he shows up as someone shows up, an angel of light shows up and says something against God's word. That's not, that's Satan. That's not God. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so there's many cults in different places that have, have, there've been physical manifestations, I think. Yeah. Uh, of things that have led people astray. And, right. and it, and it comes down to like, well, you know, you, and, and this angel of light is going to be beautiful. It's going to be like, I, I don't think that the, the serpent was this hideous creature. Mm. I think it was probably quite enthralling and very crafty in, in, in the way he spoke. And, right. um, and, and so anyway, it, it, it is, um, it, Satan doesn't typically show up in, in, in physical form. It, his schemes typically have to do with ideas, putting things in our heads that will mistrust, right? God's word, right? Whether it's to do something, you know, that from scripture you shouldn't do mm-hmm. or to say to you that you are not worthy of God's love or forgiveness or to continue to make you go back to your sin and your woundedness and uh, wallow in it and not be effective in what God yeah. wants. Yeah. These are the things Satan typically does. So, so here we have, um, here's, here's one suggestion here. We find out um, after Eve takes of the fruit and eats it, he hands it to his husband, her husband, who is with her. And, and, and so think, think of the, <laughs> the serpents there, the dragon is there and Adam's there too. Yeah. And he's watching the serpent tempt his own wife and mm-hmm. he does nothing. Wow. Right. But, but there's this part here where he says, the serpent says, the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die. Now, there are some traditions, some speculation here that when he's saying this, the implication is if you, if you don't eat it, I'll kill you. Interesting. Right? Like here's this serpent, this dragon. Right. Yeah. Huh. You, you, will, not, uh, you will not surely die. 
like the idea is um, you need to eat this. Or I'm like, <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> right. Or then you'll die. Right. That's, that's that idea. Um, and, and so you, you have this, because one of the, the thoughts is if God has commanded Adam to guard and keep, why isn't he guarding against this dragon who has come into his own backyard right. and is tempting his own wife to sin against the Lord? Well, it could be laziness. He's just not, doesn't want to be bothered by it mm. and is kind of curious and, hey, what the heck, you know? Right. Or it might be that he's afraid, right? And again, you ask kids, well, what should he have done? And they're like, I don't know. They should have, he should have hit him. I, I don't they're like, I don't know. I go, well, if it, he should try to defend him, even with his own life, because yeah. that's what he's tasked to do. Right. The, the other thing is he could call out to the, to the Lord mm. to ask, call for help. Right. Right. If, if something's going bad and you can't overpower right. your enemy, call for help. Right. If something bad's going down, call for God for help. And, and he doesn't do either. Instead, he takes the fruit, but, but listen to what, what we have here. Eve goes to Eve verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that there was, a, it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Okay. so. So here it is, Adam and Eve, there's four really primary things that are going on here. Yeah. The first is ingratitude, right? right? Ingratitude. There's only, they're not satisfied with all that God gave. Right. They weren't content with that. They wanted the one thing not given. Right. Right. So, so one, everyone write this down. One of Satan's methods is to get you so that you're not content with what is given with what you have. Right. Instead of being grateful for all that God has given to you, your life and everything with your spouse, with your family, with <laughs> your circumstances, you're not content with it. Instead, you're not grateful. That's a bad place to be. Right. That's a bad place to be. Are you think of your marriage right now? Are you content? Are you not grateful to God for what you have? If the answer is no, you are very vulnerable to the temptations of the evil one. Mm -hmm. That's where he wants you. Because mm -hmm. the next step is to promise you something that's going to give you some sort of satisfaction, such as eating of the forbidden fruit. Yeah. Do, take the, don't trust God's word about this whole thing and give him thanks and praise. But, but do this other thing. Yeah. Right. So number two, number two, there's a bit of pride there. I can be like God. I can, I can choose for myself. I don't have to listen to what God has to say. I don't have to listen to what my spouse has to say. I don't have to listen. I can, I can find that. And this is the, the thing. I, I have been in pastoral ministry. I've been an elder at our church. I've been the headmaster of a school mm -hmm. and, and many, many times I have couples in front of me, right. Right. Talking to me. And, and what happens is often someone is not content with what they have or what's, what's going on. They think that they deserve better. This mm -hmm. is pride. I, I, right. And what they'll do is <laughs> they will find on the internet, 
a multitude of counselors telling them that they are right, that they deserve more, that they are better, that they're worth it. That it's right. Yeah. And it just, it just feeds into the discontent and their pride. And is this in every aspect of life, financial things? Oh yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. They're discontent. They, they're the Satan comes in and tells them it's, it's because of something that's being withheld from you and that you deserve it. I have to ask Mr. Young before we move into the, the third point there. So and hopefully this isn't too controversial. You know, there, there's kind of this. What, us be controversial? Come on, Noah. I know. Well, there's kind of this cultural idea that um, it was Eve who was originally tempted. And because of her, she led her husband astray. Uh, that her that Adam sort of, um, you know, submitted to the. You mean the guy that's right there? Right. Right there with her? Right. Yeah. So, okay. And again, don't mean to offend anyone, but maybe it's a good thing that we, if we do, but anyways, so, you know, we see Satan's playbook uh, at work in our modern age. Um, You know, have you seen that, um, you know, in that respect, that still happens perhaps a. So so what you're saying is. Yeah. Mr. Young, (laughs) have I ever seen women. Right. Discontent in their circumstances and the, and the man in the family too lazy. (laughs) <laughs> to care about it? Exactly. No, that's that's ridiculous, Noah. I've never seen. Yes, that is all the time. Yeah. All the time, right? Instead of trusting God's word, rather than submitting to their husbands or, or being grateful for what they have, they're discontent. And it comes out all the time, right? They don't, rarely do they go up to their husband and say, I'm really discontent with what we have. I, I think you need to work harder or more. Right. And then when they do work harder or more, then they're upset with them for not being at home. You know what I mean? It's just, it's yeah. weird. It's just this thing. Yeah. Usually it's subtle. It's like, you know, you know, my, my friend Susie just went on this great vacation in Europe. <gasps> Wouldn't it be great if we could do that? Wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, and it's this oh, constant like reminders of the things that they don't have. And it just makes the man feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not, you know, I, mm. I can't, I can't do it. And it goes on and on and on. But a lot of times there's this lazy, like, right. So he's literally been told to guard and keep the garden and he's there and does nothing. Yeah. If you want to see a woman upset, have her see men sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> Actually, that's not all the way true. I also hate that. Like when I see men doing nothing, like they're just, come on, get up and do so. You know, it's just, yeah. um, it, it's, it's, it's really strange, but, but it's this, he, Adam's not doing anything. He's not doing what he's supposed to. Yeah. So there's ingratitude, there's this laziness, there's this pride. And there's also a sense of fear. I think we can put that in there. Mm-hmm. I, I know that's partly speculative, but it, it's kind of fear. So if you look at what worship was supposed to be, it's, it's belief and trust, this idea of faith in the word of God, resulting in gratitude for what has been given and taking and eating of the tree of life and communing with God forever. Mm-hmm. What Satan has done in done, mm-hmm. done here is made them in gratitude. You know, this in, yeah. this, uh, they have ingratitude. They're not content with what God has given. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're filled with with pride yeah, and a desire to be God rather than trust in him and his word. Mm-hmm. 
And, and what it does is it ends up separating them from God. And so there's a breach of communion, right? So, so this is, this is what Satan always, always is trying to do. And now, now listen to the next part. They, they, their eyes are open and they realize they're naked. So nakedness has more than one idea here, right? The, the, the literal natural thing here is they realize they don't have any clothes on. Okay. Right. But nakedness has another um, meaning scripturally. Sure. And that means vulnerability. When you're naked, it's this, this feeling of being vulnerable to, to violation to, to anything. And so what's, what's happened is they realize they're now vulnerable to the God's displeasure. God has made commandments to them. They went against that commandments. Now their eyes are open and they realize, Oh shoot. I am now on my own here before God, who has told me not to do this. We really screwed up, right? right. Just think of, think of you when you were a kid and you got caught doing something. You're in the midst of something doing, you know, you know, you're not supposed to, you're in the midst of it, but you're so enraptured in that activity. Right. You're not even thinking about anything. And all of a sudden mom or dad walks in the door and it's like, Oh, like, and you're just caught. Yeah. And how, how, like, I was, I was going to ask about that, Mr. Yeah. yeah. Can you say something, a few words on, you know, sin is so blinding, right? Mm. Like when you're in it, say it's a, you know, oh, it's so good, a lustful desire yes. or, you know, the need to, to binge on something. Oh yeah. Well, think know? about it. I mean, like, okay. <clears throat> We're all mature adults here. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, let's be honest. We've been caught in that with lust. Think of it. And and how easy is it just to turn it off? No. Right. What your desire wants you to do is to continue one more look, one more thought, one more, right? right? It's almost like you're entranced in it. Yes. And you know what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird. This is evil. This is what Satan does. Yeah. Right? So here they are. They're without clothes. They're vulnerable to God. And, and there's more to it. I mean, I, I don't want to get into the, a lot of the theology of like the natural world and, and other things. because. Sure. Anyway, but just kind of in this sense, the vulnerability to God. And so what they do is they try to cover themselves and hide, right? Mm. They try to cover themselves and hide. What God ends up doing, right? Is, they're guilty. Is, yeah, because yeah, they're guilty. They're, they're trying to cover themselves and hide. And then when God comes out, you notice the next verse, he says, when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden um, in the cool of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, um, it, um, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Okay. Just going to stop there for a second. A, a couple of things. One is what's really weird here is if you look at the Hebrew, the thing that is walking is the voice of God. So they hear the sound of the voice of God walking, not wow. the sound of God walking. It's not the rustling of leaves. It's the voices walking. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, the only translation that really gets that right is the King James Version. The King James, you know, most modern translation puts it in a way that you, you don't know that that's what it's saying. Huh. But the King James makes it pretty obvious that it's the voice that's walking wow. and they hear that. Okay. So because the voice of God, you know what, I'm kind of, I'm going to adjust my microphone. I know one episode or my voice didn't come across. Maybe it's because I kept turning. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to go right here. There you okay. Go. They heard the sound of the voice of the God walking in the garden because the voice of God is the main character. Genesis one. It's God saying this and God saying this, God doing this. God says this. Yeah. And, and here it is again. 
did God really say? And now here comes the voice of God. The voice of God comes walking in and they've hid themselves. They've covered themselves. They've hid themselves. And, and God says, how dare you? I know what you did. I'm condemning you. You're, you're trash. <laughs> no, right. no. God comes and at calls, where are you? He asks questions. Look how it keeps going. He says, he goes, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I have commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, <laughs> she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Now, first of all, it's kind of, I know this is humorous, but, uh, but first of all, notice God is, God is the one pursuing, right? The, I mean, we talk about, you know, all these, you know, who's pursuing God? No one. Yeah. Human beings don't pursue God. They pursue gods of their own making. Yeah. Gods that they want, but they don't, they don't know the real God. They don't seek the real God, the true God. No one's really righteous and out doing that. But you know who is looking? God is always the one in pursuit of man. God is the one that calls to people. God is the one who gives the grace uh, to, to, to call them back from, from death to life and, and right. to himself. God is the one that does that. God calls out, where are you? And he asks questions. I always ask this. Why does he ask questions? Well, it's, it's inviting relationship. It's in giving the opportunity for them to confess their sin and be justified by him. Yeah. Right. To be, to be covered by him. Right. But they, right. that, that's not what they hid and kind of try to cover themselves. God invites them into relationship again through these questions, getting them, they, he wants them to confess. Instead, what you see is you see the beginning of blame. So Adam says it's her fault. <laughs> And in a way, it's really your fault, God, because wow. think of how great things were when it was just me and you, right? Yeah. Right. But the one that you gave me, right? But God knows, God knows it wasn't good for him to be alone. He needed a, a helper suitable for him and, and made, it was a great gift. And now he's blaming God for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Again, ingratitude, um, right. everybody blames Eve. And then, uh, so, so God goes on and says, um, uh, the Lord God said to the woman, what is, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. In other words, it's not my fault. It's the serpents. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this cursed above all, are you above all livestock, above all the beasts of the field on your belly, you shall go dust. You shall eat all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head. And, and you shall bruise his heel, or I, I like the better translation, and he shall crush your head, and, uh, and you shall bruise your heel. So, so right away, God is pointing to a part when a descendant, a, a child of Eve, yeah. who, is, who is Christ our Lord, right. is going to crush the head of, the, of Satan. Right. That, that this, this evil that has been brought into the world will have an end, and it will come with, with Christ in the crushing of Satan. Um, but, but the point that I want to get here is in that verse 15 that says enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. There is Satan is always at odds with us 
right this 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 warfare that began in the garden continues to this day there's this enmity between us and and satan and his forces and and it won't end this is why we have to be aware of his schemes and and be constantly vigilant so the woman he says i surely will multiply your chain pain and childbearing and pain you shall bring forth children and your desire uh, shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you and to adam he says because you've listened to the voice of your wife in other words instead of listening to the voice of god mm. you're listening you listen to another voice right eve listened to another voice you've listened to another voice right you should have been listening to the voice of god because you listen to the voice of your wife you've eaten of the tree which i commanded you you shall not eat of it cursed is the ground because of you in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. And out of it you are taken, and for dust you, for you are dust, and from dust you will return. The idea here is, is that now that sin has broke, come into the world, mm. and human beings have been broken from the relationship to, between the creator and the creation has been broken, um, there is no certainty about life anymore. So the, the word here, pain, has to do with anxiety. There's anxiousness that increases pain. And so in all life-giving and life-sustaining um, uh, life activities, there's going to be pain. That is anxiety. So for, for Adam and Eve, you, you know, I'm going to get crass. My seventh grade class would hate it if I said it this way. But when Adam... Plants a seed in Eve. Sure. There's uncertainty whether it's gonna right. It's gonna be fruitful. Right. There's uncertainty if the baby's gonna come to full term. There's uncertainty if the baby's gonna make it in a um, being born. Mm. There, there's uncertainty if the the baby will even make it into adulthood. There's uncertainty whether the woman's gonna survive childbearing, childbirth. Mm. This this is I mean the number one cause of death of women throughout history has been um, childbearing, right? There's it's filled with anxiety. We don't know if it's going to work. Wow. And this, this pain, this is the increase of pain. You know, it would have been painful. The pain is not a bad thing. God made it part of his good creation so that we know something's wrong or, you know, for in the case of labor, if, you know, some, you know, you, you can get drugs so it doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. um, but um but the, the idea was um, that pain helped my wife know how to push. It made her labors or her giving birth quicker and easier sure. than, than, you know, the, the drugs, even though they don't, the pain is eased. I don't know how to explain that, but yeah. <laughs> the point, the point is it, it, it would have hurt um, before the fall, but now after the fall, it's greatly increased because of this anxiety. Mm. In the same way, when Adam would plant seeds in the ground, he knew that he'd have a crop. But now that the fall is there, he doesn't know. He doesn't know if the thorns and thistles will will do it, or the birds will eat it, or or, or there'll be bad weather or a storm, or you know, it's like a paw and little house on the prairie. Yeah, you know, the blackbirds come and eat everything. Oh no, we're gonna die unless I get a job in town. Or, you know, the, right. the, the hail that one time that just wiped out their wheat. There's this anxiety, this labor. And that's, that's the word for it. this anxious toil is labor. And we call that what women go into when they're having kids mm -hmm. and what we do when we're, we're trying to. Yeah. Use. 
So in all life-giving and sustaining activities, there's pain. And so wrapping it in all together here, this is because of sin, this is what's going on. Our life is filled with anxiety because we're cut off from the creator. Mm. The way back is faith in Jesus Christ. The way back is to receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ, his son, to trust in his word, right? To live according to it. But what Satan is constantly going to do is to feel, to take your anxiousness and get you to be ungrateful, right? This ingratitude, make you not content with things, give you some sense of pride that you deserve better and ought to do something against what God's word says. Um, somehow you're above it or something. Yeah. You know, it's good for everyone else, but not for me. Right. <laughs> and, and then also there's, there, there's these elements of fear and, and even of laziness, you know, fear of success, fear of failure, fears all, all, all over. And, and so in the marital relationship, th- this is a constant battle fighting these things. Um, the anxiousness of how life is under the fall, under the cur- uh, under the curses, mm-hmm. um, fighting about with with that trusting God's word, yeah, and and how that that is brought out into our marriage relationship. Now you have things that go wrong, and we tend to blame each other, just like Adam and Eve. We we tend to cover ourselves and try to justify ourselves. And right through that blaming, we try, we hide from our sin and hope that the other person doesn't find out or some, all sorts of petty things. But all of this scheming of this evil one is to get you to not trust God's word, nor understand that the way back to this paradise, you might say, it all starts with, with God's word, trusting it believing it, faith in it, resting and receiving of it, of this, of this life and this grace, right? God then makes the statement now that Adam and Eve are like us, knowing good and evil, that is becoming more autonomous. They can't have access to the tree of life or they're going to live forever and it's going to be really bad. We see this in Genesis 6 about the hearts of man being evil all the time. And, uh, but he covers them with animal skins. In other words, my pronouncement is that they're going to die. So these animals are going to die in their stead mm. sacrifice. And I'm going to, I'm going to cover them, but that was all temporary waiting for Christ to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin. All right. So the methods again of the evil one, primarily this frontal attack is going to be to trying to get you to not trust God's word. And he's going to do that you're making you feel um, discontent. So you don't have the gratitude you ought to have towards him. He's going to try to make you feel like you're uh, this pride that you deserve better or that you need, you know, to, to do something. Um, and then, and then these, these uh, subtle things of fear and laziness that prevent us from doing and, and obeying what God's word says. And it, and it makes a mess. So next episode, we're going to talk about more of his schemes, but it's not this frontal assault. Mm. It's going to be this, this um, more subtle cultural assault. 